thank you. Now, there was going to be a segue with a song, so I will sing for you now. No, I won't do that. We're going to play a little game in a minute, and you'll realize that that wasn't a good idea. We're transitioning into our Jesus the Game Changer series right now. So everyone, just maybe shift in your seat a bit. Let's move from roof to Jesus the Game Changer. Are you ready? Okay. 2019, we did Jesus the Game Changer 1. Who remembers that? Yes, it was awesome. It was awesome. He really did change the world forever. I mean, he changed history. You went from BC to AD because of when he was born. The Messiah, his kingdom brought to earth through this little baby. And we saw his impact on children and women and the disabled and the poor and the lowly and the rich and everyone in between. He changed the world forever and he changed the game. He transformed lives. And this is the good news, isn't it? This is the good news we talk about, that Jesus came, died on a cross to connect us back to the creator of our universe, this creator that wanted a people to do life with and be in relationship with. But because of our sin, we didn't do that. So God started on a mission, which he's still on today, to bring us back to himself through Jesus. And that's how Jesus has transformed this world. He's transformed my life, and he's transformed many of your lives. And not only do we have a missional God, we have a missional Bible, as Joel talked to us about last week. This book that lays out this amazing story that God has and still has. Because when we become followers of Jesus, that's not the end of our story. It's just the beginning, isn't it? Of living this amazing, transformative life with the Holy Spirit. He changed the game in Jerusalem. He changed the game in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today, the topic in front of us is crossing the cultural divide. Because as we saw his disciples start to move out of these areas and share, because they couldn't help it, and the Holy Spirit was in them, share this good news with people, they started to come across people with new languages and new cultures in new places of the world. And they had to figure out how to do that. We cross cultures because Jesus transforms lives everywhere. I'm going to say that a few times this morning. But that's why we do it. He changes the game everywhere. Not just here. Not just in Jerusalem. Everywhere. The Holy Spirit... The spirit of Jesus is at work. And as Carl Fays reminded us in the very first Game Changer 2 uh, service we had, we have to keep Jesus' last words as our? No one else is awake. First priority. Okay, you didn't transition well enough, guys. <laughs> what were his last words? Therefore, go and make of all baptizing them and teaching them to obey. obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you till the end of the age. They were his last words and that's what we're still doing. It's called the Great Commission. That's what we've called these words of Jesus because that's what he's asked us to do. Okay, 
How do, we, how do we do that? Actually, Jesus gives us some great examples. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, where we read about what he did um, when he was alive, he gives us some really good examples of crossing the cultural divide. So the first one we're going to read is in Mark. So as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So, clever idea, spoke to the fishermen about fishing. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But he could have quoted the Hebrew scriptures. He could have talked to them about uh, God the Father and that he was the Son and the Holy Spirit was coming and this was the mission. But no, he spoke to them about being fishermen. He didn't talk to them in the temple. He talked to them on the beach where their boats were, where their nets were, and he made sense to them. The second, second example is in John. Totally different scenario. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Not fishing anymore. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And we always like to comment, but the Bible does it first. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. This was not only a cross-cultural scenario, but it was like a not even appropriate scenario. Also, she was a woman. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. She wants a drink. He doesn't talk about fishing. He talks about living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well to drink from? As he did also his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus used what's there, what she is doing, and draws out this amazing kingdom principle. Jesus was crossing cultures. He was contextualizing, which is the phrase we use, to allow his truth to sink in to the person that was listening. Uh, Paul changed his whole approach when he moved cities and moved cultures. So when he was talking to the Jews in the temple, he was using the Jewish scriptures and talking about Isaac and Jacob. And then he went to Greece, to Athens, which was a university city. And he quoted Greek poets to them, it tells us in scripture. He talked with sophistication and with an educated uh, context, because that's who he was talking to. He crossed a cultural divide, and he spoke to them in a way that they would understand. These words of Jesus were moving out. This good news was moving out as the disciples actually went. Jesus said, go and make disciples, and they did. They actually went. And we saw as Paul moved around, the gospel spread to the then ends of the earth, which was Turkey, Spain, Africa, all of these places that they knew of in the then known world, the gospel reached. They started uh, 
translating these things into different languages and contextualizing and sharing what they knew with the rest of the world. Jesus transforms lives everywhere. Okay, Steve, pressing pause. Pressing pause, I'm gonna play a game, okay? This is quite a self-indulgent game. It's called Three Things You Know About Christy. You ready? Okay, number one. I've been here for 23 years now, and a lot of you have been here for longer than that, so you should know the answers to these questions. Okay, just shout it out. What's Christy's favorite activity? Not running, cooking, thank you. Running, maybe, will never be my most favorite, but thank you, Jenny. Jenny, who did her 200th park run yesterday, woo! Cooking, baking, yes, baking is my number one favorite activity. Okay, doing well. Question two. How many kids does Christy have? Three. Three. Yes. Awesome. You guys are good. Ivy, Toby, April. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Question three. Christy's favorite sport? Cricket. Thank you. Ben Fair. To watch, not to play. Let's not get too excited. Okay. Cricket. Cricket. That time in mid-November where it's getting warm. Shorts and t-shirt. You turn on the TV and you hear the sound of the Channel 9 cricket theme, and your heart starts to race. You get chills, there's goosebumps. Yes, it's cricket. I'm so excited, I love cricket. As a kid, be at the pool all day, you come home, I used to sit with my dad and watch the end of the test. I never knew who was winning, because in tests, no one's winning yet. I didn't really know which team was which because they all wore white and you can't tell, but I enjoyed the process. I used to sit at my granddad's kitchen table and he would drink his like 29th cup of tea that day and we'd watch the cricket on this tiny little TV he had in the corner of the room. And then I met Danny and taught him the finer points of cricket because he was from Spain and had no idea. And I got to go to Belle Reve in Hobart. I think there's a photo the home of cricket. None of this Blundstone Arena AFL business, people. What's with this? Cricket at Belle Reve. And we got to watch cricket. Chantelle was just next to us reading a book. <laughs> cricket, cricket is not her favorite pastime. <laughs> but I, I love it. I love it. And then you may see a photo of me uh, at work right now, uh, just keeping an eye on the score. Is that up there? That's my view in my tea room at the hospital, just keeping an eye on the cricket score. It's important. And then, now that I have kids and can't watch a whole test match on television, I take them to the cricket, put on a bit of purple lipstick, big bash, it's awesome. And something you might also not know, I am related, most likely, <laughs> to Bert Oldfield. Australian wicketkeeper. Tenuous. No, my maiden name was Oldfield, so it's got to be something. I have an ancestor that played cricket. I love cricket. And you're thinking, what on earth does cricket have to do with crossing the cultural divide? Hang, hang with me, because we'll get there. But just to make sure you are still engaged, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yes, you are. That's great. Now I have to find where I was, because I got so caught up with the cricket that I have lost my place. Okay, here we go. 
Pretend it's 1854, okay? You're in England, you're a young person studying medicine, you have your whole career in front of you. Your name is Hudson Taylor. And God has asked you to go to the ends of the earth. Now, in 1854, where are the ends of the earth? Tasmania's been found, okay, we're all good here. Where else do you go? China. You go to the far east, and that's where he went. It took him five months of travel to get to China. When he got there, there was a civil war. Things were awkward. He started preaching. He'd been learning Mandarin for a bit. It wasn't well received, and he realized that he needed to cross a cultural divide. So he started wearing the Chinese clothes. He shaved his hair like from here forward, which, you know, was a sacrifice, grew a plait, just like the Chinese men that he was talking to. And he started to cross this divide and connect with them. He started to go out into the villages because most Westerners that were in China were gathering with other Westerners or in cities in China that had Western areas that they felt comfortable in. But he didn't. He went out into the villages. He was responsible for bringing 800 other missionaries into China over the coming years, starting 125 schools. He started the Chinese Inland Mission, which is now called OMF, which is a mission agency that exists today. He made an incredible impact. Tens of thousands of Chinese people in the late 1800s came to know Jesus, because Jesus transforms lives everywhere. We get to cricket. In 1882, a young man named C.T. Studd toured Australia with the Ashes team and played cricket here. He was a young man from a very wealthy family. He went to Cambridge. He was a right-hand batsman and a right-arm slow bowler. There he is. Isn't he handsome? C.T. Studd gave up everything because he heard someone ask him, in a church service, what he was going to do and would he go to the ends of the earth. He gave up his inheritance to Moody, who was translating the Bible, to Hudson Taylor's mission in China. He gave it all away, hundreds of thousands of pounds back in the day. Significant sacrifice. He went to China with the Cambridge Seven. Seven very smart, wealthy men who decided that they were going to serve Jesus for the rest of their lives. He got married, he went to India with his kids and ministered to British soldiers in India, came back, and then someone said, deep, dark Africa, there's no one sharing Jesus there. And he went. He went right into the Congo. He spent most of his time, uh, a lot of his time translating the Bible. There were about eight tribes around him. There were a lot of different languages. He was sick for most of the time. His wife stayed back in England. They were separated for decades. She did the praying, a lot of praying, and he did the work in the Congo. From there, he started the Worldwide Evangelization Crusade, now known as WEC International, that has 1,900 missionaries around the world in 35 countries. And I'm one of them. C.T. Studd decided to give up his stellar career as a cricket player and serve Jesus. 
he decided to cross those cultural barriers. Danny and I are with WEC now. We were working here at Door of Hope, and God got our attention. And God said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. That's next for you. And we said, okay. So we went to Mexico and spent six months in cross-cultural ministry there. And then he said, no, Launceston. So we came back and are training people in cross-cultural ministry now. God changed the game for us, totally. And now we're working with people that are getting ready to go to Cambodia, to Spain, to Italy, to the Middle East, and back to Mongolia. Ends of the earth. Now in missions, we say everywhere to everywhere. It's no longer Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. It's no longer England to the ends of the earth. It's everywhere to the ends of the earth, wherever you are. Jesus transforms lives everywhere. We give up what's expected of us. We give up what's comfortable to us. And we go and we go. Crossing the cultural divide could look like my brother-in-law Mike surfing every morning with surfers in Mexico. It could look like working in Papua New Guinea like Janet and Wayne Kerrison have done. It could look like mobilizing Christians in Asia to run the Alpha Course like Tim and Winnie Heron have done. It could look like caring for orphans and those who care for them in India, like John and Sarah Poxon do every couple of years, and God willing, they'll be able to do again. It could look like teaching Bible in Holland, like Sandy Hart has done. It could look like nursing in the Congo, like Jen Carpenter has done. It could look like teaching in a missionary training college, like Danny and I and Sandra Kuypers do. It could look like church planting in the Ivory Coast, like Dorothy Russell and her late husband did. It could look like serving a community in Rwanda with babies and digital media, like Toby and Esme Clark have done. It could look like all of those things. It could look like none of them. But the gospel, the good news, is being taken to the ends of the earth because Jesus transforms lives everywhere. How far from your Jerusalem is God asking you to go? Which cultural divide is for you to cross? On the screen, you'll see the shipways, Rick and Clifton and Priscilla and Malik and Aaron and Dylan. Door of Hope missionaries who went to India to serve orphans there. How far from your Jerusalem is God asking you to give to? We give our MMO each um, December here at Door of Hope. You can read their newsletters and see the needs they have. You'll see on the screen the Voss family, Door of Hope missionaries. It's Bev and Luke and Lucia and Elili and Ezra. They went to Uganda, and they're serving in medical ministry in Uganda. How far from your Jerusalem is God asking you to pray for? These guys need our prayer. And you know what? 
Interceding for missionaries is a huge part. This is how we partner with God to see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. This is something you can do. This is something you can be powerfully involved in. You can get their newsletters, the Indian Orphanage newsletter. You can sign up online or see the welcome desk, Bevan Luke's newsletter you can get. You can get Danny and I. We have a newsletter. You can find out what's happening at Worldview and what we are up to as we serve the ends of the earth. Maybe God is asking you to do what my friends Priscilla and Mary Lou do. They meet with our refugee community across this city and share the love of Jesus with them, crossing the cultural divide in our backyard. How amazing is that these days? We get to do that in Launceston. There's so many opportunities to do that. Toby and Esme lead the superheroes team. There's an opportunity to have a cross-cultural experience with kids from our city that are in really tough situations. It might not be another country, but for some of you, it'll certainly be a different world as we serve them. And you can do that, everyone, on July 17th. There's going to be an activity day here at Door of Hope, Narnia-themed. And if you want to be a big buddy for that, cross the cultural divide and share the love of Jesus with young kids, you can do that. See Toby and Esme about that today. Danny and I didn't actually go very far. We thought we might go to the ends of the earth, but actually we stayed here. And we're serving people that are going and sharing Jesus in a cross-cultural sense. What are your next steps? Grab a newsletter. Put it on your fridge. Bring it up in your connect group. Pray. Give support. When they come home from uh, Uganda and from India, loan them your car. Give them somewhere to stay. Support people who are giving up everything for the gospel of Jesus. Give to our missionaries in MMO. I'm going to do the start of MMO right now. As you do your plan giving and your tithing, think about, Jesus, what are you asking me to contribute to world missions? Maybe as I plan my giving, I'll think, in December, I'll do that for MMO. Get ready now. Superheroes. I'm happy to chat to you after about what steps you can take. If God's just saying, yes, going is something for you, then come and talk to me because Jesus transforms lives everywhere. And we have churches and Bibles and Bible schools and preachers and so many opportunities, but places in the world don't have access to any of that. And that's why he needs us. He partners with us to do this in this world. I'm going to pray for us now. And as Ben finishes off Jesus the Game Changer next week, I'm going to pray that God will be getting your attention because he gets our attention all the time if we're listening. Maybe he's getting your uh, attention in preparation for next week. Maybe he's got it already. And if you're listening online, Please make contact with Door of Hope if you'd like information about where you can get those newsletters. Let's pray together.
Jesus, thank you that you are a transforming God. That you died and rose again, not so that we would just be as we are, but we would be new creations in you. That your Holy Spirit comes and dwells and delights in us as we enter your kingdom. Thank you that you seek after us, Jesus. And Jesus, if there's anyone listening online right now or sitting in this room that does not know that you are seeking after them, would you tell them in their spirit right now, Jesus? Would you remind them that you are passionate about bringing them to you? You love them and your deep desire is to have them as part of your family. And Lord, as we think about to the ends of the earth, and crossing that cultural divide, your passion and your desire is to have each person in this world know who you are. Father, would you give us an enthusiasm, a passion, the resources, the prayer, the time to be able to support those who go and maybe, Lord, to respond to you if that's what you're asking of us today. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for this time today of celebration, And we give you all the glory in your precious name. Amen.